Amen. We're going to dismiss our children to their class at this time. I am thankful that you are here today. Great to see everyone. I'm excited about what the Lord is doing here. Amen. I don't want to take too much of your time today, but I feel like I have a few scriptures that the Lord would, would uh, have us go through and show us some things today. I'm going to start in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Amen. It's hot outside. Somebody said amen. Welcome to Yakima, Washington, where the hills are brown and the sun is close. Amen. Second, first Peter chapter two, sorry, first Peter chapter two, verse one. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. That sounds like you shouldn't be talking that way. Laying aside those things. Verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Now, let me show you this. There's a comma there. So it says, as newborn babes, comma. You desire. That's what that really means. Not babies like milk. It means in the same way that babies like milk, we should desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Somebody say grow. That you may grow thereby. Verse 3. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Does anybody know the Lord's gracious? Say amen if you know he's gracious. Amen. The Lord is gracious. If you have tasted. Verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone. We're going to start to talk about rocks for a minute. To whom coming as a living stone disallowed indeed of men. But chosen, someone say chosen, chosen of God and precious. Now, I'm going to get ahead of myself here for a minute, but this scripture tells us, and it uses this terminology to, to liken Jesus to a rock, to a stone. And it says he was chosen of God. Verse 5, ye also as lively stones. Someone say, I'm a rock. You also. So just like he was a stone, it said disallowed or, or not allowed, not the one that was chosen or, or desired by men, but chosen of God. You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. We don't do this now in 2021, but back in this day, the rock and the stone and the sacrifice had a lot of meaning because they had to build something called an altar to create a sacrifice. They would put the sacrifice on the altar. But it started with the rocks. It started with the right stones. So if you were getting ready to sacrifice an animal, and you know, okay, I don't want this altar falling to pieces. I don't want it, you know, put the, put the sheep up there and then the rocks scatter. No, I, I, I need this to be sure and strong. I've got to choose the right Rocks. And the, just as it says the Lord was a stone and he was disallowed of men but chosen of God, you are built up to a spiritual house. And you should be offering spiritual sacrifices. 
Verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture. So Peter's writing here, and he's talking about another time in Scripture where it's written, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. A chief cornerstone. That's the main building rock. The one that you don't want to build without. The one that you got to have before you build the rest of it. So I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him. You see that? We're talking about rocks, stones, but then it calls it him. So it's like a, a male stone? No. This is an analogy. Him is the one you're supposed to believe on, and just like a chief cornerstone, things will be built on him. Amen? He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Verse 7, Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. Now it's talking about me and you. To us, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed the same is made the head of the corner. This, this scripture and, and what I feel the Lord is talking about today is how we view Jesus versus how the world views Jesus. And then how the world views us because of how we view Jesus. Okay? Now, if you don't like divisive things, uh, it's not going to be a lot of fun for you today, I don't think. But the Scripture is full of separating, sorting, dividing, Remember, in one place he says, I'm going to divide my sheep from the goats. The, this is the Lord's way of speaking and way of talking. He wants us to know plain and clearly what is his and what is not his. Who are his, who are not his. You get that? This is not me just looking to pick a fight or looking to pick on somebody or talk mean. This is, just, this is the way that the Scriptures are written because it's the way God is. I learned, I, I had this little management training thing at work a while back, and it was about communication styles. And you answer these different questions, or you, you, you might have taken these before. It's got a list of things, and you rate yourself like a one through four on this word and on this word. And Does this describe you or does it not? So I did all this that, that test to learn about myself and my communication style, and I learned what they call me was a people pleaser. And I thought, that thing's got to be wrong because I don't care if anybody's happy, really. But, no, I, after I got to learn a little bit more, I was like, okay, there's, there's probably some truth to some of this because it has to do with problem solving and the way that you address problem solving. And if you are a people-pleaser type of communicator, you're going to look for a way to solve that problem in such a way that everybody's happy. And I thought, okay, well, yeah, I guess that's me. I don't like disappointing people. I don't like giving people bad news. I don't like... So in that sense, yes, I look for the possible outcomes where there will be the fewest or no disappointed people. So that's what that means. I mean, whether you find genuine happiness or not, usually I don't spend a lot of time worrying over that. But I see what they're, what they're talking about when it is how am I going to approach solving a problem and a solution if it means disappointing someone. But what the scripture says here is to us, he's precious. 
because we know who he is, because we relate with him, because we, we, we actually know him, and we, we get all of our life, our source is from him. So he's precious to us. We wouldn't build our life without him as the head or the chief cornerstone. So, he, so we need him. But not everyone views him that way. Some people just certainly haven't, they haven't had a chance to get to know him that way. Others have had the chance, have known him, and then rejected him. But all of those, the scripture says, them which be disobedient. Oh, we get in trouble when we start using adjectives to describe people. It's kind of dangerous, right? Because somebody's, who you call them disobedient? I don't have to listen to anybody. I obey myself and I do what I want. That's fine. Just know that the Bible talks about you. It talks about all of us. So to them which are disobedient, but even to them it says the same is made the head of the corner. Just kind of like this, the scripture says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Not just the obedient ones. Let me read this verse again because it goes into the next verse. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Verse 8, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto they also were appointed. So, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Would you believe that that is how the scripture describes Jesus to some people? To some people, Jesus is something they can't get over, something they can't get past. A stumbling block. Verse 9, but ye, I know you've heard this verse before, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people. I look at your neighbor and say, you're just weird. You're a peculiar people. Now, that's what the word peculiar means. You're different. Not in a bad way, but you're just different. Ye, the Bible says ye, you are. You're a peculiar people. Chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation. You probably didn't know this, but... The word holy and the word peculiar, or as we would use it in this day and age, weird, strange, different, those are also, they, they have pretty similar meanings. Because if something is holy, it means it's not like anything else. Just like if something is weird, it's not like... I'm not from the Northwest. Raise your hand if you're not originally from the Northwest. I've I got to not be alone here, okay? There's a couple of us that we've, we've lived in other parts of the country. We, we, we don't necessarily think first and foremost as I'm a, you know, I'm a Northwesterner. But the, the Northwest has this um, stereotype that goes across the whole country. And it's... It, it's Good, bad, or indifferent, it's, it is what it is. It's being weird. In a good way, I would say, in a lot of ways. Unique. Just because the rest of the country does this, that doesn't mean we're going to do it like that. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a uniqueness that sets 
the northwest apart. This is what the scripture says here when it says you're a holy. All right, we're holy. Woohoo. Yeah, that just means you're weird. Just means you're different. Just means people aren't, get this, it's going to help somebody. People aren't going to always understand you. Well, that helps me. That makes me feel better. Because I feel like I'm nothing like anybody that I encounter on a daily basis. Why, why do I struggle to, to, to be who I'm supposed to be and, and speak the way I know I'm supposed to speak and act like I should? Why, why does that feel difficult for me when I'm around other people? It is because you are different. Holy. Set apart. Separate. There should be a separation between me and those who are on the other side of this scripture. Between you and them. Now, this is dangerous grounds, I realize, to preach because if we're not careful, we get, a, we get an attitude and a mindset that just it says us for and no more. I don't want to have anything to do with anybody. I just want to live in this bubble and I, therefore I can judge everybody else and I can condemn other people talk about how bad they are while we talk about how good we are now be careful we're not talking about good and bad we're talking about saved and not saved sanctified and not sanctified the scripture says, such were some of you, but you are washed. We take, sometimes if you visit the, the ocean, you might take a, a seashell home or something like that. And you, my kids, they, they will wash that thing underwater, run it, scrub it, you know, everything, get it nice and shiny and pretty. And then if you just throw that back out there on the, on the, on the beach, it's, it's going to stick out. Oh, that's the clean one. That's the one that's washed. Now, the, the seashell doesn't get there and get to say, oh, look how pretty I am, and look how ugly all the rest of you are. No, you're only that way because somebody picked you up and washed you. That's the same way that we should feel about what the work of God that he's done for us. I would be nothing. I could be nothing except he washes me and saves me, cleanses me. Such were some of us. Verse 10. Let me, let me read verse 9 again. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him that hath called you out of darkness into his... That, that right there... It's pretty close to what they call a job description. It's an instruction. You are all of this that you should. You are supposed to show forth his praises. You're supposed to be a light, a symbol, something that others can look at and say, what is different about you? Oh, I'm just showing forth the praises of the one that washed me. I'm just a reflection of Him and His goodness. That's what there is that's different about me. Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Verse 10, which in time past were not a people. This congregation in the past were not a people. We were not a people. That's what the scripture says. You are what you are now because of the work that God did to get you here. But in the past, you weren't this. Who, who was Israel before he was Israel? He was Jacob, right? Jacob does not have a, a good meaning. He, he does not have a good ID. When you think Jacob, you think the guy that stole stuff. 
you think the thief, the liar, the one that nobody would choose to start a holy nation. But the Lord said, I'm going to change you from Jacob to Israel. And now you are a people. You are a, a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. He said, I will make out of you a nation. Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. Which had not obtained mercy. This needs to be somebody's testimony today. My past, who I was, that was not godly. That was not who God made me to be. That was who I made myself to be. I made all the decisions. I made, I, I made all the calls. And then I saw what it led me to be. And that is not who God made me. But then God picked me up, washed me, set me apart, set me apart. Uh, <laughs> he didn't pick me up, wash me, and throw me right back in the mud. He set me apart. Now, he didn't put me in, in the penthouse and, and, and add a bunch of zeros to my bank account on the end. It's an accounting joke, whoever caught that. Zeros on the other side, they don't do much for me. He didn't put a bunch of zeros on my bank account and, and, and say, Woo, all right, you know what? You got this, all this, because I, no. I'm, the work that I did inside you is your blessing is the change that is who i made you i made you royal the people in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. That's the only difference. People that have obtained mercy. John 3.16, I think you know this verse, but let me show it to you. For God so loved the world. I know you've heard that. Uh, I'm going to repeat it a few times because I want to make sure you hear it and know it the way that it actually says it. For God so loved the world. Because imagine, believe it or not, you could get to the point where you actually start to question, does God really love the world? I mean, look at the world. Look at the world. Does God really love the world? Now, there's a lot of things in the world that God does not love. Okay? A lot of things in this world He doesn't love. But that's different. Because that's the, that's the product of what humanity made. And it's a product of what evil made. It's not just we're, bad, we're such bad people that he doesn't love us anymore. That's not what I'm saying. But there is, there is the force of evil in the world, and then there is the human will that when it interacts with that force of evil, it produces a lot of stuff, and God says, I don't love that. But it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That's how much he loved the world. I wanted you to see that because where we're going, you're probably going to get to this questioning of does God really love the world? That's kind of what it sounds like. John chapter 15, verse 18. God loved the world. 
He, he loves the world. He still loves the world. John 15 and 18, this is the words of Jesus Christ, the man speaking. He's speaking here to his followers. He says, if the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before you. Imagine, imagine the lesson that Jesus is teaching his disciples because they know he, he's reaching an end point here. He's not always going to be just our, our miracle working guy. This is about to come to a close. It's about to come to an end. And he's going to die because people want him to. And so he tells them, if the world hates you, look at me and look at how they felt about me, what they're going to do to me. Know that it hated me before it hated you. Next verse. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. I'm going to try to help somebody real quick. This, all of this, is not favoritism. There's nothing that humans hate more than displays of favoritism. You only got that because he likes you more. You're only this way because you're the favorite. You're... Any babies of the families in here? I'm a baby of a family, and my, my oldest brother would probably be the one amening in here right now, saying, hey, man, they only like you because you're the baby. You got away with this because that was favoritism. So, so we, we relate to this on a natural level. We know I see some fingers pointing, okay. <laughs> but we relate to this on the natural. You get away with that. I'm, I, I'm the oldest. I had all the rules and the discipline, and then they just let the baby get away and that does some things mentally. It does some things to the eldest. It does some things to the youngest. But when, but when we see favoritism, I'm saying this because if you look at the scripture, it, it, it can almost look and read that way, but that's, trust me, that's not what it's saying. Because the gospel is for whosoever will. Everyone has this same invitation that you do and that I do. So where is the favoritism in that? There is none. But what a person would say is, I rejected God, and now he hates me and he loves you. He did this. He was against me in this way. He didn't work this out for me, but he did it for you, so he must love you more than me. And, I see, and what we see, what was perceived there is favoritism. And the Lord picking and choosing who he would do something for. The scripture says he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't look for one and say, I'm going to bless this one. And then look for somebody else. Uh, they don't deserve it like this one did. He doesn't work that way. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. He could just, I want you to picture in your mind just for a moment when Stephen was getting stoned by those around. And we know Saul was there as well, who would become the Apostle Paul. Imagine if you would, Stephen here laying about to die, being on the receiving end of all of that hatred and all of that viciousness, and if the Lord is saying this to them, they are doing this to you because I chose you. 
They're doing this to you because I chose. They're hating you because they hate me. Now, Stephen could say, what's wrong with all of them? Just kill them all. But the Lord says, no, I'm going to choose some more. I know it looks like the picture is there's the one good one and there's all the bad ones. But the Lord knows, no, there's some more good ones. That's why we don't use the word terms good and bad. We're talking about saved versus unsaved. And, and Paul, the apostle Paul there, being partaking in all of this, the Lord would say, I'm just not ready to take you there yet. But you know what? I love you and I'm choosing you just like that's my chosen one. Just like I care for him, I'm going to choose you. Paul, Paul doesn't get to sit there and say, oh, we just hate that one. We don't like him. Get him, get him. Throw the Christians in jail. That's, that's what he was going for. And then the Lord turns that completely around. And he had the choice. Now, every one of those others, either before that or after that, had the same opportunity, the same choice. They would have the ability. If God, didn't, if God only gives some people the ability to choose and not others, he's not God. He's not just. He's, he's a liar. If he says, you're destined for punishment, there's no hope for you. But you have the hope of eternal life. No, so somewhere the individual has rejected the opportunity, the same opportunity that all the rest of us have. But what happens is, That sin knocking at the door. That's what the, that's what the devil told Cain. If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. He wants to rule you. So the moment that we reject and don't do what we're supposed to, sin can heap itself on us to the point where now it's, it's confounding my mind and telling me God only loves certain ones. You're not one of them. That's, remember what I said, God loves the world, but not all that's in the world. That's the kind of stuff in the world. God doesn't love that. He knows that that's the opposite of him. But he still, he would still give every one of us opportunities. Some of us have had a lifetime of opportunities. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35 years, 40, 50, 60 years of opportunities to just simply return the love that He's given to us. Verse 20. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted you, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Pause for effect. I didn't want to go here, but give me just a minute. There are those who would like to say, I have a more appealing gospel than Jesus did. They, they won't use those exact words, but their spirit and what's behind the things that they're trying to promote says that. The servant's not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. If they're not persecuting you, what's wrong with you? If there is no line drawn, if there is no right and wrong, saved, unsaved, 
sanctified, unsanctified, clean, unclean. If there is not that line, you've got the wrong master. You're serving the wrong Lord. He, he went before us to set the example of how we know we're doing right. People hate us. People persecute us. People ridicule us. If that's not happening, i got to ask why. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. That's how you know you're talking to the mature Christian. We know the voice of the Lord. We've We've kept his sayings. We follow after his voice. And we know when he's speaking through his chosen vessels, that's God talking. That's the word of God. That's my master speaking. Verse 21, but all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Okay. I I was trying earlier, if you couldn't tell, I was trying to brag on the Northwest a little bit. Now let's just talk about Washington State for just a minute. I, I'm so thankful every day that I get to live in Washington State. I love it. I, don't, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else, even when it's 100 and whatever it is outside. I still love it. But just this state alone, from the time that I got married in 2005, 16 years later, it has changed. It, is, it has gone a direction, and it is continuing to go a direction fast and furious away from the things of God. You say it's never godly. Well, I don't know if that, that wins the argument. It's just continuing in this direction. Less and less and less godly. More and more and more ungodly. I said it earlier, if you don't like terms and divisiveness, this might not be fun. Well, maybe we need to re-examine our definition of fun because I'm having a blast. But this, this state, and, and when I say this state, really, I, I'm talking about uh, the powers, the powers that are over the state. They would love nothing more than to just get rid of anything that is Christian in nature, that's godly in its nature. And just... Replace that with more humanity. Whatever kind of humanity, we don't even care. You pick. You choose. You have your say. But if it's a stance, if it's a stance, mm -mm, we don't take stances. So I'm saying this, I'm saying this, I'll give you two options. One is you can leave Washington State, or two is you can stay here and expect to see more of the same. Not be surprised by it. Now, I'm not, I'm not giving anybody a free pass to get outside the will of God, okay? If you say, oh, Elder Flower said we can just leave, that's what I've been waiting for, I'm going to go. Nope, hey, that's between you and God. I'm telling you, if you stay 
If, and the whole world is really moving the same direction, okay? This is not just singling out a state or a person or a government or anything. I'm trying, the Lord is trying to get us to wake up and realize, look how far away from me the world is moving. Further and further. Each day, further and further. There are no safe places. You might think Texas is a safe place. Uh Uh-uh. They're just getting there slower. Tennessee, Georgia, they're just getting there slower. We're out here on the front lines. This is a frontier mentality. In the Northwest, that's part of what makes us unique, that pioneer mentality. But the problem is, it's getting further and further and further away from the truth the foundation, the doctrine. And so the good news is if you haven't faced persecution yet, stick around. That's the good news. That's how we know we're on the right side. If they hated you, If they hated me, they're going to hate you. When they hate you, know that they hated me first. Okay. Verse. Where are we at? Twenty-two. No, twenty-one. But all these things which they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. That's why they do what they do. They don't know me. Let me say that again. That's why they do what they don't. It's why they do what they do. It's because they don't know me. Verse 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. Verse 24, if I had not done among them the works, (laughs) pause, do you see why I went to John 3.16 first? God so loved the world. He loved the world. We're not talking about just love and hate and either God loves you or he hates you. No, we're talking about the human perspective towards God and the things of God, including his people. Amen? If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now my... But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without cause. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the father, he shall testify of me. This is, I feel like I say this often, but this is why we need the Holy Ghost. This is why we need the Holy Ghost. If I'm going to go, if I may be expected to go before a person that hates God, and therefore hates me, I need the Holy Ghost to do it, to be in the right frame of mind. The Holy Ghost, the comforter, the keeper. It's the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of truth. If there's one thing, I feel this really strongly right now. If there's one thing that would solve so many of this world's problems right now, it's not love. 
It's not peace. It's not acceptance. It's truth. Truth. One thing that would solve so much of what we're seeing taking place is truth. Because truth, if, you can, if I can use this term, truth is non-discriminatory. Oh, Lord. Okay. If, if that wasn't fun enough, let's go there. The first openly gay NFL player came out over the last week or so. The Lord loves him like he loves you and me. I love him. I don't know him, but I have no reason to hate him. Same towards any of you. The truth, though, is non-discriminatory. The truth. I, I, I read it or saw it or heard it, one of these things. The, the commissioner of the NFL came out in support of him and said something along the lines of, it's important for him to live his truth. That is why I'm saying all of this. Because there is this terminology, their truth, his truth, her truth. I feel like I'm writing a Dr. Seuss book. His truth, her truth, my truth, your truth. Whose truth? There is the truth, and then there is everything else. There's the truth, and there's everything else. There's the truth. The truth is found. He is truth. Remember, he said this, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He's the truth. That's too much for you, I'm sorry. But he's the truth. Where's the hatred in that? There's no hatred in that. Where's the discrimination in that? There's no discrimination in that. He's the truth. He's the creator. He's the creator. He's the supreme one. The Lord of heaven. The Lord of earth. He really is. Whether we reverence him as so or not. If you think you don't need him, hold your breath for half an hour. Go ahead. You're in charge of that. You are completely in charge of holding your breath. Go ahead. You don't need God for that. You can make that decision 100%. I'm just not going to breathe anymore. Let's see how that works. No. The creator who created the lungs, the esophagus, the nostrils, he's also the one that created the oxygen, the carbon dioxide, and he knows eventually you can start holding it. You can get really red. You can start shaking and all that. But he knows the exact mixture of how much of this is too much and this is too little. He's the creator that knows that. All I know is <sighs> I can do that. The Lord is the truth. Would you stand with me? He is the way the truth and the life. This world needs the truth. The world needs the truth. Without Him, we would surely perish.
Would you just pray there where you are for a moment? Meditate on the things that we've heard here today. Lord, your word is true. Lord, your word is true. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. My wife. In the name of Jesus, we need you, Father. We need you, Father. We can do nothing without you. Come on, the scripture says, when the spirit of truth has come, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. When the spirit of truth has come, even the Holy Ghost. This is why we need the Holy Ghost. I can't do it on my own. I cannot do it on my own. I've got to have the Lord. I've got to have His Spirit. Lord, it's You that sets the world in motion. God, it's You that gives me every breath that I breathe. It's You, Lord, that knows the beginning from the end. I'm going to open this altar and I'm going to invite you just, if you would, to come and pray. I, I feel the Spirit of the Lord here in a very strong way. And I know that He's speaking. He's speaking different things to different ones of us today. But it's the truth. It's His truth that He wants to share. Come on, if you would, I'm encouraging you to just come to the front and pray. Nobody's going to make you do anything. But the Lord is here and it's a sign of opening to Him. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, let Your Word be true and every man a liar. We stand upon the Word of God. It is our sure foundation. It is the stone that the builder rejected. It is the chief cornerstone the rock on which I stand. All the world will fade away. All the world will fade away, but Thy Word is forever settled in heaven. There is no truth without You, Jesus. There is no life without You, Jesus. But in You there is all hope. There is hope of life eternal. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I feel your spirit here today. I feel it ministering, God. You desire to live inside of each one of us, to quicken our spirit, God, to live inside of us as the Holy Ghost. God, I pray right now, the work of the Spirit. Come on, let's, let's pray, church. I feel it in the name of Jesus. I pray the work of the Spirit right now.
before we're done. I feel like after hearing some of the things we heard today that there would be a, a question that arises in us that says, I don't, I don't know how to defend or I'm afraid I'm going to have to defend that. What I, what I feel the Lord telling us is it's not up to us to defend. It's, it's not up to us to defend. We, we speak the truth. We proclaim the truth. And then we let the Lord deal with it. We let the Lord deal with it. It's not up to us to... I don't have to convince somebody that what the Bible says is true. It's not my job to defend it. I just speak it. Believe it. I stand on it. In the name of Jesus, can we pray? Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for your spirit that's here today. I thank you, Lord, for delivering us, for saving us. God, I thank you for speaking truth to us and words of life and power to us today. I'm thankful, God, that we have your word to stand on. I'm thankful, Lord, that we have your word to be my defense. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I surrender it all to you right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I lean upon you right now in Jesus' name. I lean upon you in Jesus' name. You're the source of our strength, O oh God. You are the truth, O oh Lord. Every word that you've said is true. God, everything that you declare, it is truth because you are truth, Lord. In you there is no lie. In you there is no falsehood. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. 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 Yes, Lord, let your spirit do the work. Let your spirit do the work, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me just remind you what the first verse said. If the world hates you, know that it hated him first. I know that's so encouraging, isn't it? Amen. We're going to get ready for our baptism. I'm excited.